We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale. I am recording this show from the Virgin Hotel because it's fight week for me. About to watch Lomachenko throw down. So that means we have to give our predictions, talk about that fight, talk about what a win or a loss means for Lomachenko going forward, depending on how he fares against Nakatani this weekend. We also have to talk about Javante Davis and his pay-per-view out in Atlanta. They're really bigging it up. He's moving up to weight classes. we got to see what we think about that and get our predictions from that later on in the show. Of course, there's MMA to talk about. Recap a UFC card from last week. Talk about one for this week. Some more heavyweights on the bill, I believe to really pop off the weekend but first old man we are back here i am looking out at the las vegas strip and it has me just looking forward to the boxing calendar we get at this point we know fury versus wilder is going to be here t-mobile arena july 24th on august 21st it was just announced that they are moving well i, I guess now it's official that Errol Spence versus Manny Pacquiao will be at T-Mobile Arena, not the MGM, even though I love watching fights in MGM. But they're looking to pack T-Mobile Arena for that fight. We have SummerSlam, of course, that same night. We assume that Canelo will probably be back here in September. Vegas is heating up again. And with that comes our favorite, favorite time of the year, Urban Loitering. Oh, yeah. Urban loitering after COVID. I don't know if I'll ever look at it the same. Got to um, double, double mask up, my guy. Double mask. Yeah. So you mentioned like it's heating up, but it's heating up in Vegas, too. It was like record highs in June. <laughs> the fact that they're doing Spence and Pacquiao on, in August 21st at T-Mobile, which anybody who hasn't been to Vegas, you under T-Mobile is like a, it's out. You have to get there. You have to walk there from the outside. Whereas MGM, everything's inside. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Everyone's going to be sweating through those shirts. Everyone dresses like Leonard Ellerby going to those fights. 
So the suits, it's just going to be pit stains through the suits going there. The young whippersnappers are going to have to figure out a way to wear their long sleeve Balenciagas without just sweat stains all down the front and the back of the neck. Oh, it's going to be horrific being outside over there. Um, the women, I'm sure, butt cheeks will be out and such, which I guess may not be that different than usual. But they're going to be hot butt cheeks. Women, baby powder up. Do whatever you got to do. Some uh, deodorant on the thighs. I, I don't know the tricks, but whatever you got to do to make sure that you're not sweating out because it's, it's going to be a mess. Protect those weaves. I, I don't, you know, I'm not a fan of the bonnet. But you got to do what you got to do. Keep that bonnet on, stuff it in your purse. Make sure your weave don't sweat out before the fight because it's it's going to be crazy this summer. It's hot. It's packed. I know the room rates here are through the roof already. It's just June. So I can only imagine a couple weeks. I didn't even mention Conor McGregor's out here in a couple weeks. Yeah, it's a lot. But the reason why I brought up Spence and Pacquiao being at T-Mobile is it's going to limit our urban loitering. It's, yeah, it's never as fun urban loitering at T-Mobile. I mean, maybe there's a couple more bars they've renovated now. Um, we went to Italy, I think, after the renovation at one point. You had a business meeting. I went and met my boy, so we walked over there together a couple, like a year and a half ago. That was cool. Like, they have that section. But there's nothing like being in the lobby of the MGM. You nah, say you this like all the time. You like the madness, right? You that's what you it's what you're here for. You like the madness. I like the madness, and there ain't gonna be no madness. So not to mention, like you mentioned those fights, right? So you have Spence Pacquiao, you have Wilder Fury, we got UFC coming around the corner. Then after Spence Pacquiao, you have Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley. Then you get a week off. Then the week after that is Oscar De La Hoya versus Vitor Belfort here in Vegas with what are they calling this thing? The Triller Fest with verses going down. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Then the, is linked to it. Then you, obviously the, the week after that is Canelo, right? So it's like, we have like, I, again, you've been to fights like that's That's what you've been. I have not been to a fight in over a year and I'm about to get thrown in the fire. <laughs> yeah. You got no warm up period. This is like a double dutch, and I've been doing the back and forth, so I at least catch the rhythm. You just coming off cold. I don't right even in between the ropes. Like I gotta send you know emails to people like remember me. Like <laughs> like <laughs> I haven't been here in so long. Like I see all these people doing interviews and on site stuff, and I'm coming in hot. Like I'm coming in like, ooh, I, I don't know. You gonna be jumping right in, trying to dodge it, you know, slipping and dipping. On please stop. Please, please stop. Media week. Yeah. Why, why? Why would you do such a thing? I'm just saying, like, you're you're just coming in cold. You, gotta, you couldn't, you gotta you couldn't help yourself, could you? No, I could not. You got to dodge the shenanigans inside. It's going to be, it's going to be a crazy experience. Oh jumping right back into the madness that are fights this upcoming you, summer. Look, man, I can't let this one go. You, you... You're on one. <laughs> it is a good day for us here. I'm excited about the summer. Is there anything wrong with that? I'm excited about the summer mm -hmm. yeah, and okay. the fights and everything that comes along with that. You mentioned the Triller and the Verses, and we have festivals that have been announced for Vegas. There's going to be tons of music stuff. You always say around this time of year, man, I ain't going to none of that. I'm tired of festivals. I'm sure you'll change your mind, and we'll be at the festivals and everything as well. We'll probably be at the Triller Fest and watching the verses live because it's fight week. 
Yeah, I'm not lying. I'm not lying to any of y'all. I'll, I'll be a Triller Fest. I'll also be a day and night. That's, yeah. Other than that, if I got to travel for a festival, I'm not going. But yeah, I'll be that. And then I just found out like Ghostface Ray and Jizza are performing like Liquid Swords, only built for Cuban links. And wait, is it Ghost? Is it Ghost? They're all doing that in Vegas. Like Jay Cole's coming to Vegas. Like, yeah, Cole's tickets went on sale today for his show in Vegas. Um, I have an alert to, no, actually it's tomorrow. So when we're recording this, I have an alert to buy a couple tickets to that. Um, I don't feel like going to the media route. I just want to be a fan at the Cole show. Yeah, so you I'm enjoy that. I chill at that. Yeah, everything is just, it's just waves coming here to Vegas. One thing that stuck out to me though, that I want to touch on, and I've heard this, um, I was listening to another podcast, who had a pretty good like whole episode um, devoted towards it. Shout out to my dudes of views from the seven, but they were talking about, and it's funny now that we're talking, people from Vegas will get this. If you're not from Vegas, like most of our listeners, don't worry about it, but their guest on the show was Twix. Oh man, Twix? Wow. Twix was a guest on this episode two weeks ago. And uh, they were talking about all the stuff opening back up and how stuff has changed from the 90s because all of this is coming. All of this is here. And Twix was saying, like, the difference between late 90s, early 2000s, which still happens in plenty of other cities. He made Atlanta a case in point of this is local artists used to care about these weeks. They used to circle this on their calendars. Promoters would circle this on their calendars. You throw shows during this week. These local artists would be openers. They'd be on the festival lineups. They'd be doing all of this. It is crickets now. Yeah, nobody want to go to no goddamn local show. Listen, we used to throw local shows during uh, the weekends. Yeah, but I, I didn't. Well, I didn't throw local shows. No, you, with local you had artists. national talent. Yes. Yeah, so, and no disrespect to local talent because I listen. Listen. I don't even want to get on this rant right now, but I listen to local artists complain about not getting support from like local other local artists. And it's the wrong ones that make this complaint because their music sucks. That's why you don't get any attention, right? Like there's, there's dope artists and I'll give them all the attention in the world. But if you're whack, just cause you're from Vegas, you don't deserve my attention or anybody else's attention for that matter. People are like, yo, put me on. We from the same city. I don't care. You whack. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but these days, these days, like show it's weird because you have YouTube and because you have SoundCloud, not to say the shows aren't important, but there's no reason for things like a demo tape. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody, ain't nobody handing out no goddamn CDs anymore. Like nobody's doing these things. If you're going to get on, you need to get on with somebody that's already on it because all these YouTube acts and SoundCloud and TikTok and all this shit, there's no reason for you to do any of this. So I'm, I'm listen, me especially, even though I'm kind of like I'm, I'm one foot out the game and I occasionally have one foot still in the game, I ain't got to go them weeks with people handing me CDs and like, yo, let's throw a show with all, like when I used to throw shows, like there'd be so many local artists like, yo, let me open up. I'm like, no, I hate the opening act. Of almost every show I've ever been to. Like, I it's, I despise it because it's always some shit I don't know. And it's never good. Occasionally, there's a good one. But for That's the most unfair. part, it, Yeah, because, like, K-Dot had to have opened up for somebody in 2009. Yeah, but see, that's different, right? I, and I talk about this with Vegas especially. There are dope artists. And usually, I will hear them and they're dope. Then I'll say, Cool you can open up like if I was a promoter or I say, cool, I'll show up early to check you out. But for the most part, cats don't even want, they just want to be put on, not through the merit of their music. 
just because they feel like they can bring something to the table. I'm like, yo, I haven't heard your music. Or it doesn't even mesh with what's going on. Like, I don't show up. I won't show up for opening acts unless they're doper as somebody that I know. And that's not to discredit anybody that's trying to get put on. I just don't have fucking time. I don't. I don't have time. And a lot of people don't either. Like, man, how many times you've been to a show and was like, man, I can't wait for the lo- opening local act? You know, music shows are the only time I'll go, like, the entire thing. We don't show up to boxing MMA for the whole card. No, I like, don't have we, time. No, we, that's, that's ridiculous. But music shows, like, I used to go to local nights downtown Las Vegas at a beauty bar because it was nickel beer nights. So it was Let's Tuesday see. nights, nickel beers. Um, I get, like, a roll of nickels. And I wouldn't make it through the $2 roll of nickels and I'd be stupid drunk on a Tuesday. And we'd watch like the local acts. Like me and my wife have gone several times. I went with my best friend Ray a couple of times. It was dope. They had the, um, the stage in the back kind of outdoor. I would not go in the middle of the summer, but like in the fall and in the spring, great shows, EDM acts, rock bands, hip hop dudes. And that I could appreciate. Sometimes the music wasn't the greatest, you know, they're local acts, but some people brought better stage shows, stage present. They cared about performing, interacting with the crowd. I don't even know where to start with local acts like that nowadays, but I mean, Atlanta, it, it's true. I listen to Atlanta radio when I go out there. Cause I don't know, like I, sometimes I just feel like I'm plugging the ox cord or not even Bluetooth nowadays, and then just checking out what the local scene is, and they still play their local artists. And I think half of that shit is whack. Yeah. It's not not 75%. Like, they play their local artists. Local artists still perform at the strip clubs out there. They still, like, maybe perform at the skating rinks. There's, like, little hookah lounges. Me and the wife went to hookah lounge. The beginning was local comedy acts, and they were funny. Like, the comedians were great. And then um, hip hop, the second way. And, you know, some people were cool. Some people weren't, but there was still them performing. There was these outlets. And I know you, you've just been in Vegas for so long, especially musically, even though your music taste and your um, connections to music are worldwide and much larger, but I never really hear you talk about Las Vegas artists. Cause there aren't a whole lot to talk about. Like there's Dizzy, right? Who's dope. You go back in the day, you had like the chapter, um, Stacy G was also on Views from the Seven a couple weeks ago. Holy shit! Yeah, he was against. All you can see is my ago. dust. All you can see is my dust. That I'll send you that episode. That shit, he is hilarious. But they got him. As man, <laughs> see, it's just, Vegas is just different, man. It's it, it'll take a whole show to talk about, so I don't really want to get too much into it. But Vegas. Vegas is a transient town, right? So you have all these people that come in from other places and then they think because they showed up in Vegas, they could put Vegas on. Meanwhile, you have the locals who believe that they've ran the city since the day that they got here and they think they should run the city. And then what you find out is a lot of them suck. So it's like everybody wants to rap. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I wrote an article way back in the day called Stop Rapping and Get a Job because I used to get so sick of people... <laughs> trying to rap and i was just like listen man you if you're trying to rap to make money coming out of vegas you're never gonna make it if you rap because you really enjoy your craft go ahead and do that maybe you'll get put on but who's made it out of vegas like made it made it yeah like neo you had um dizzy's done all right um you know i shout out to chapter and verbal e cj my boys over there like they were signed to okay player they were on that compilation they did like a little quick tour but outside of that 702 who 
Yeah, 702 yeah. signed to Biff 10. Those are my homies, but outside yeah. of that, come on, man. It ain't like Atlanta. It ain't like Atlanta. Atlanta's like, it feels like wherever you go, somebody's getting put on. Vegas yeah. ain't like that. So, no, I don't talk about local talent because they That's don't, weird. a lot of them just don't oppress me. Because we go, like, I've been to local MMA here in Vegas and they break a ton of people. Like, there's boxing. Like, the boxing here is fine. You can be put on boxing-wise, and people get put on cards all the time from here in Vegas. We just saw um, Berlanga uh, fight, damn, what was his name? Bellows. The Bellows. Bellows. Yeah, yeah, from here. Like, tons of people uh, from Vegas get broken into. I mean, Javante started Mayweather Gym and that whole camp, and they brought him out from out of town and be more, of course, but came here. But see, let me stop you. Let me Let me stop you. Boxing is an industry out here. Combat sports is an industry out here. Ain't no damn record labels in Las Vegas. There's studios. Ain't no record labels. When did people start fighting? Ain't no A&Rs. I feel like fighting, like if you can move combat sports here, one, it's cheaper. Like everyone can chill, be in like one place, be creative. Like how are you breaking this shit in Atlanta, New York, LA, Bay Area? Like those are expensive ass places to get everyone together. Like theoretically, you can get a couple people in the house in Vegas and, and break some shit. Like the only person I even know that records out here is the dream. And then people would come out here, go to Molly Mall's crib. And that's a whole different story. But outside well, of that. That's over. Yeah, that's, that is that is no longer. My man's doing time. <laughs> but for a second, Molly Ball was the wave for these people, I guess. And then, uh, yeah, and then going to the Palms. I know some local people who record at the Palms, so I guess you get, like, studio time in there. But outside of that, yeah, just nothing here. So as I look around and all this is coming and um, there's Vegas people on these cards and Vegas people on the top rank cards um, this weekend that I'm covering it's just, I looked around, I was like, yo, there's no Vegas hip-hop people on any of this. No, there's not going to be. Like I said, there's no industry. If you want to fight, you move to Vegas, because guess what? Fights are in Vegas. You want to, like, that, that's it. So, gyms, all that shit is in Vegas. You want to record a song like Drake used to record at Molly Malls, uh, Crooked Eye recorded at the Palms. Like, people come in and out of Vegas to record and party and dip, but there ain't nobody here trying to establish nothing. So it's just not the same thing, man. It's, it's just not. So when you, you have these fight weeks and, you know, you're talking about people like throwing shows, ain't nobody traveling off the strip. Once you come for a fight in Vegas, you're on the strip. You don't leave the strip. And then nobody local can afford to throw a show at a casino. Mm. So there you have it. That's, that's the key. There's like, what, the Ice House is gone. People used to go to that joint. Club Seven. And that wasn't even on the strip. That was that was downtown. Yeah, there's there used to be the joint um, Ray J owned in the casino that I know local DJs would get nights there all the time. No, I don't even know what that but, is. Ray, why did Ray J own something? Man, that dude he like, owned a club Jesus in Christ. the strip, like on the strip, like um, it was before Cosmo and shit was even built, but he had a club. And it was popping like for hip hop and shit. I saw Meek Mill there once. And, hmm. but like local DJs would be in there spinning. Like you didn't have to be Frandelay Bay to spin like in there. Like it was, if you were at the late, late night show on 88.1, you could spin in there. So I'm sure like maybe artists were also performing. Um, I know tons of local EDM artists that performed all up and down the strip. Well, that's a Vegas is EDM city. Name all the hip-hop clubs in Vegas. Thanks. Dre's. 
<laughs> Do I have to continue? One That's Oak, all you got. Dre's One Oak. That's it. I think more is starting to play hip hop. Um, mm. Mandalay Bay, Daylight, and all that shit went to hip hop now. They like signed Rick Ross as like one of their main people and all that. Yeah, but I think that's just Sundays. Yeah, so if you come to Vegas, you ain't coming to a show. You, what do you come to Vegas to do? You ain't coming to be like, yo, what's the local you rap scene? Party. No, Thank you. Like, local rappers can't get out there and entertain. No, no, no. I don't want to party to some shit I don't know. That's like the general consensus. When people come to Vegas to go to the club, they hear shit that they like. I don't go to Vegas to find new people. Like I go to Vegas. If I'm coming to Vegas, I'm going to a day party to at the pool. Now, if I'm at that day party at the pool and somebody I've never heard of steps on the stage, I'm leaving. I ain't ready for that. I didn't come to Vegas for that. If I go to LA, on the other hand, I'd be like, oh, let me see what's going on in the scene. Right? It's just, it's different. You don't come, people don't come to Vegas for that shit. They, they don't want to be bothered because that's what it is. I don't need to be introduced to nothing. I'm coming here to have a good time and leave it behind when I'm done. I don't want to take it with me. Damn shame. Damn shame. All right. Well, I thought you'd be a little more cheery about Vegas hip hop, but I guess not. We will just enjoy the fights, enjoy the festivals, and uh, enjoy a little pro wrestling during SummerSlam week. That seems like it's going to be our summer. We will not be enjoying too much local hip hop because I guess there's nowhere to find that. No, nah, send it if it's dope. I'll listen to it. But yeah, you ain't. I ain't coming no, out. I, listen, I promise you. I one. I hear all the stories about your email, and yeah. I see how many notifications you still have of unopened emails. And then yeah, so I would never send you something like that anyway. Two, I know how harsh of a critic you are. I couldn't send you something because then I would have to go back and tell the person's the person whose music it is that you said that shit was trash because mm-hmm. you're just so hard to please anyway. I'm mm-hmm. like, yo, he gave you a C minus, but that's great in his book. Like, how am I going to explain that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, couldn't do it. So I wouldn't even try. Uh, let's hit the break. When we come back, we have fights out here. Got to talk boxing, got to talk Gervonta and then rap with UFC. Don't you guys go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to The NFL Road Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back. Time to talk boxing. Dre, before we get into all the boxing that's happening this weekend, Lomachenko, uh, Tank, some good fights happening this weekend. Fox also has a card on Sunday. Tons of boxing. But we got to start with last weekend. And Anderson the Spider Silva, not just beating Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., but styling on him in the boxing ring. I, the fight aside, I think this opens Pandora's box for MMA guys to come over, get a check, and really think like, yo, we, we can do work in the boxing space. It's retired MMA guys. Hmm. 
Man. Rashad Evans already said, yo, I'm back. He saw that shit? Oh, I'm, where's Logan Paul? Let's get they, it. They all got to chill, man. Like, Rashad Evans, don't want to fight you. And I like Rashad. Don't want to fight you. But let's talk about Anderson Silva. Because I said it, like, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. is what happens when you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth and you are gifted with talent, but not with work ethic. And that fight, watching that fight was hilarious because he doesn't give a shit. He hasn't given a shit. And if any MMA fighter looked at that fight and was like, I can beat a boxer, don't be disillusioned by what you just saw. Anderson Silva has always been a striker, always. And a pretty good one at that. Not to mention, when I talk about his striking, it's not robotic striking. It's not, you know, duck and throw. It's very fluid. And I always talk about fluidity in MMA because it's hard for... MMA fighters don't have defense. They don't. They don't know how to deal with, like, a jab because they fight different. Gloves are smaller, things like that. What Anderson Silva has, however, which what he's always has, upper body movement. He gets out of the way of shit. Julio Cesar Chavez, slow as molasses. Easy to get out of the way of shit. This was easy work. I'm not surprised one bit. The only thing I was concerned about is if Anderson Silva got one on the chin. But then I also forgot the fact that Anderson Silva is bigger than Chavez. Naturally, he cuts down. Chavez came in overweight. The moment he came in overweight, I said the fight's over. <laughs> it's a wrap. He's not, he's not dedicated. He don't care. He came to get his million-dollar check, and that's it. But if, if these MMA fighters need to relax, you ain't getting that. First of all, you're not getting the check. Second of all, you're probably going to get washed. I like Rashad. You're not a boxer. You're not. I've never seen you throw a combination in your life. I said, yeah, I'm lying. I've seen him throw a couple combinations. <laughs> when he knocked out, now nah, he knocked out Liddell with the left hand. Yeah. But I, I just, I don't, it's not the same, man. These cats really think it's, you know, they look at Anderson Silva and they was like, ah, oh, we got the nut off. Here we go. No, no, you're not. No. Anderson Silva was, he was always the best striker in MMA. Always. Always. There had, not until Israel Adesanya. Has there been a striker quite like Anderson Silva? And you can put Conor McGregor in there as well because he actually went to boxing. But you look at some of these other strikers. I mean, I guess you could do Wonder Boy, but he's more, you know, more of a kick guy. Um, but a lot of these fighters, they're not. Maybe the Diaz's could do all right in boxing. Maybe Max Holloway could be a boxer at a lower weight class. Yeah, but they're still active, like very active. Yeah, but these retired fighters, absolutely not. Nope. Don't even think about it. Go back to where you came from. Hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of money in that. There's a lot of money in fighting a Paul brother. Yeah, but he ain't fighting all y'all. Like, he's taking... He'll fight Tyron Woodley, and then he'll look for the next step up. The next step up is not Rashad Evans. No, Logan has to take a, a step down, though, and get a winnable fight. Does he? You think Logan's really, like... He's not dedicated to this like Jake is. And Logan's not here to win fights. He was here to get a bag. Like, it was the, him fighting Floyd was the jackass of boxing. It was Steve-O, like, jumping off a tree. It was like, fuck it, if I crash and burn, so what? I'm getting paid. That's what Logan did. He didn't go there to beat Floyd Mayweather. Jake is going to win fights. That's what he's, he's dedicated to this craft. Like, he wants to win. Logan doesn't want to win. He wants money. 
If he loses, he'll just laugh at himself. Jake would be legitimately pissed off if he lost the fight. Big difference. Yeah. I mean, but that's no reason for Logan not to be able to win. Like, yeah, when but you he, see... The bag won't be the same. Like, Jake's bags are going up. There's not a bigger bag than fighting Floyd Mayweather. It doesn't exist. Who could he possibly fight to get him half of Floyd's money? Connor? Exactly. What? No. No. Especially if Connor loses his next fight. Nate. Nate's a star. Not not to the level of Floyd. No, no one's to the level of Floyd. Exactly. Like my brain, but like, no. You're not exactly. going to hit that again. Like, that's cool. Like, you hit the jackpot. Hey, no, no. So, you watch Anderson Silva. He got paid, but Anderson Silva's also always wanted a box. And he fought Chavez in Mexico. On a card that Chavez, it was a Chavez family affair. There's money in that. There's not money in, like, some of these other fights. So props to Anderson Silva. I was so happy to see him beat Chavez because the classic over. He's he's so good at underachieving that he's like a legend of failure. I've never like he's a legendary failure. Like this dude should go out on in history books for being a failure. <laughs> it's the thing he's best at. Like if there's not he's a buck. He's not he's not good at anything else but failing. No, but they keep paying him to fail. Him and Broner get paid a shitload of money to fail. Yeah, it has nothing to do with their in-ring talent. Chavez is living off the coattails of his daddy. Yeah, at least Broner earns it with his mouthpiece. Yeah, so, you know, it's it's pretty whack, but here we are. <laughs> uh, Chavez Sr., talking about his daddy, Chavez Sr. went out there. I It was only a four-round exhibition. I needed, like, eight. Chavez was – this this was entertaining. He goes out there. He just stands and brawls. No defense against Camacho Jr., Gets pissed off midway, takes off his headgear, really wants to throw hands. The commission says, no, like, what are you doing? No, we cannot have an old man getting punched in the face of the ring without headgear. No. He has to put it back on. Canelo comes in the ring, hops the barricade, like this pro wrestling, calms him down, and then corners him for the rest of the fight. Yeah. That's how and you do it. Cuts an amazing babyface promo afterwards, thanking Canelo and putting him over as the greatest Mexican fighter of all time. Like this shit was scripted. I mean, I don't know who promoted CMLL. Somebody was booking this to perfection down there in Mexico. Yeah, this was this. I mean, again, it's, it's Julio Cesar Chavez and, you know, Canelo shows up and this is what it's all about. This was, it's Mexico, man. You know, well, what was it, El Paso, I think. So I, I fully expected this. People come out for Chavez, and then, you know, he brings his sorry-ass sons along. Um, <laughs> sorry. All right. I'm dead ass, man. Omar Chavez, Chavez Jr., they are— they, Oh, Omar Chavez took the L, too. That's what I'm saying. Like, yo, they're not good. Nah. They're not good. He went out there and bled like Cody Rhodes. Yeah, like, Julio Cesar Chavez fought his way out of poverty. He fought to be a legend. His kids fight because they saw their daddy do it. And they think it's easy money. They're not real fighters at heart. They never really had to fight for anything. They came in here rich. There's something to said be said about people who have to actually work to get over versus those who don't. And that's what 
the Chavez family is. And I know, I know Chavez Sr.'s sister is like, I can't believe this shit. These sorry ass kids of mine. God damn. They're whack. Yeah, I mean, we all know this. At this point, he's claiming Canelo. Just yeah. by default. Wanna be my son? Yeah, he's like, kids, what kids? This is this is my boxing child, my boxing offspring, Canelo Alvarez. Like, yeah, he doesn't care about his own kids. He's like, get mm. the hell out of here, all of y'all. Fuck these kids. <laughs> so we had that fight. Um, in the world of real fights, we had Mungia going out there. It was earlier in the day. I was like, cool. It's a perfect time for a fight. And listen, I think Mungia is good. Like, Jaime, he's a good, good fighter. I just don't know when they're going to give him that real marquee step up fight. Like, well, it, it's time, right? Well, Jaime Mungia is very young, right? He's had a lot of fights, kind of like Canelo did, kind of like most Mexican fighters do. He's 24, but I mean, this the man got 37 fights. That's Mexico. Like, that's Beat just what Liam, happens. Liam Smith's his best fight, and that's right. not bad. Saddam Ali, that knockout is actually pretty good on the resume. Yeah. So, he, Mungia, he looked great, and chances are he's going to fight Gabriel Rosado in his next fight. Gabe Rosado came back from being knocked down in the first round, pulled off one of the big best knockouts this year that you'll see. One point, one hitter quitter. And a Rosado Mungia, like Gabe Rosado, is truly a litmus test for everybody. Yep. He is the true definition of gatekeeper. Because if you can't beat Gabe, you don't deserve to be in a title fight. Because Gabe is going to give you hell and he's coming to fight. That's going to be a hell of a fight. It may not be the big like marquee fight, but that's where we really find out where Mungi is at because two things. Mungi is a great offensive fighter. You watch him put punches together, he looks really good. Mungi also gets hit in the face a lot. His defense has a lot of holes in it. And fighting somebody like Gabe Rosado, who isn't like a great boxer, it'll test him. We got to see what it's like when he gets punched. Because Mungia, in my opinion, if anybody remembers, he lost to Dennis Hogan in my mind. He fought Dennis Hogan. I watched it, and I was like, he yep. fucking lost. But he won. So Majority draw, right? I think it was the official um, term. Yeah, I have it right here. Majority decision. Yeah, he, he won a majority decision. He shouldn't have. He, he lost that fight. Shit happens. But he's improving, and he's steadily improving. And the good thing about boxing versus MMA is they're not going to give him a title fight against the number one contender. They're going to keep working him over. And the Rosado fight is the exact fight that he needs to figure out where he's at. Because then, if he beats Rosado, then you incrementally take these steps up. But the thing about Mungi is he's going to lose. It's inevitable. You watch this, this kid fight. He gets hit way too much. Somebody's going to beat him, but it's like, do you cash out or do you keep pushing him along and try to make him a big Mexican star? Then you cash out. You got to figure out when you're going to pull the trigger on. He's going to lose. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he's going to lose entertaining. Yeah, it'll be fun. Entertaining brawl. I really wish that, like, he's moved up a lot of weight classes already, right? But he's only 24. If he can just go to 168, not even permanently, but you give me him and Berlanga in a year or two? Berlanga might kill him. Well, no, I didn't look great in his last fight. No, saw, yeah, we don't know Berlanga's chin. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Mexico versus Puerto Rico. That That is a fight. Two young you're stars. Right. I like that one. You're right. A year or two. A year or two. And, you know, Berlanga wanted Gabe before Gabe won this fight. And, you know, Mungia's right there. Everybody so, knows. 
Gabe is that guy. It's like, hey, man, I got to test myself. Triple G did it. When yep. Triple G fought Gabe Rosado and Gabe Rosado's dad was like, you're going to kill my son, man. That's when we were like, oh, yeah, Triple G's a killer. That was the day. And then from that, that point on, Triple G was on the mat. Everybody fights Gabe Rosado. And I have to give Gabe credit. There will never be an opponent that Gabe won't fight. And a lot of people thought he'd beat Daniel Jacobs. Gabe Rosado oh, comes to I'm fight. one of those people. Gabe Rosado is the anti-Chavez Jr. <laughs> yeah, he fucking works hard. He may not have the talent or the gifts, but he works yeah, hard. He don't got the name. He will never quit in that ring. He will give you whatever he has. He, he will go out on his shield. He will bleed half the blood in his body. Bleeds more than Cody Rhodes. Strangely enough, if Gabe Rosado was in the UFC, he'd be like the Cowboy Cerrone. Oh, yeah. Da- Dana would love him. Diaz. Yeah, Dana would love him. Yeah, because he, he always comes to fight. Yes, yep. He would yeah. never turn down a fight. He never turn one down, and he give everybody he fought hell, win or lose, comes to fight. I love it about Gabe Rosado. Yeah, like I, perfect gatekeeper. Yeah. Perfect, perfect gatekeeper right there, and we'll see. And he wins enough to keep him relevant. So he's not a walk in the park. So can't wait to see how that plays out. But I think yeah, it's time for Mungia again to take that next step to get challenged again. Um, the other fight we had later on in the evening, I was there. Um, Naoya Inouye, Inouye was there. Came out tough test, number one contender to his belt, and went through him like a warm knife through butter. He put, and, he kept, he kept that boy's insides, man. Why he do his insides like that? Oh, from the opening belt, those body shots. It sounded like Canelo was throwing these body shots. Sound like know. he was sound like he was banging on an empty steel drum. Oh, his hands are so heavy. It's crazy that all that power is in that little ass man. This is must be what it was like watching Pacquiao come through the ranks. That, nah, honestly, because Pacquiao wasn't blowing people out like that early in his career. It was death by a thousand cuts, right? Like he was just so fast, he was just storming people. Yeah, like he was, it was punches and bunches. You didn't know where they were coming from. In a while, you can see where they're coming from. You can say, I'm going to block this, but it won't really matter. No, no, he punches through the guard. One of the biggest, hmm, I don't want to go too far because I'm thinking about this. Edwin Valero was one of the biggest punchers I saw in a small weight class. Valero used to annihilate people. I would put the monster in that, that area of power for yeah. being such a small package. Cause yeah, it was, it was like, he was banging steel drums. It was like, Hey man, we in the Caribbean. Cause he's beating the shit out of that boy body. <laughs> Beat the hell out of him. Uh, no. Nah, so yeah, ends up folding him four, three, four rounds in. But the best part of the night for me is that Donaire was in attendance. Yeah. Um, they went on stage, talked. Donaire wants to run it back. That was an amazing fight over on the zone. Yeah, it was. And Donaire, you know, becoming a champion again. Hey, man, why not? He's older, but he's figured something out. Weight, style. He's kind of he's adjusted to his age. I like yeah. that about Donaire. Casamayor is there. He was right. I think him and Donaire are fighting though. Yeah, he's stepping in. He's stepping in, which is uh, Joel. Uh, that's in August. And he's stepping up, stepping up, and stepping yeah, in. Good August for him. Fourteenth, um, him versus Donaire. Rigandel took the step back and gave up because he was number one contender. Um, so we'll see. I would. I mean, 
him versus NY would be very interesting. Yeah. I don't know how far back Rigando is willing to wait necessarily. Yeah, Rigando can't wait that much longer, man. You know, his AARP card is going to expire. He needs to hurry up and fight. I mean, the man's only got 21 fights. The man's also 117 years old. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, all those fighters. We just give them shit all the time. All those fighters. I was talking to someone randomly about Frank Sanchez today because I had to talk about um, upcoming fights. I mean, it's been reported by cop, so I can talk about this and the possibility of him versus Ajagba as the co-main on Fury Wilder. And I was like, yo, Frank Sanchez is like Team Canelo heavyweight. They swear by him as a young heavyweight. And I was like, whoa, young, air quotes. Like, he looks like my Theo Papo in Puerto Rico. He's old as shit. Yeah, but he's listed as like 20-something. Yeah, sure, okay. (laughs) But I was like, yo, he at least 40. He's he's up like you never know, man. You never know with some of these guys. So that'll be interesting. 118 is one of my favorite divisions in boxing now. It's hard to go like they had the tournament, came out of the tournament, and no one was hurt by the results. Nah, they they did pretty good. They they made people they made the division more interesting with it. Tournaments are good for that reason, especially when you have a bunch of good fights. Yep. They make people. So yeah. Yeah, I wish I wish uh, Regis stuck around 140 a little more. It looks like he's campaigning for 147. Yeah. And, uh, so we'll we'll see how that goes. He wants Mikey Garcia. I guess he didn't make it a point to say 147, but he wants Mikey Garcia next. But I, I loved how close and how good that fight with Taylor was, and I think he should be campaigning for a rematch now that Taylor's undisputed. Not that he'd get it or wouldn't get it, but. I think that's a guy who's like, nah, I, th- I think I could beat him. I think yeah, I've shown I, mean, I could beat him. Regis Pro Gray, you know, he just come off of that thriller card where that <laughs> bullshit. And uh, he's a good fighter, so he needs a pretty decent fight. You know, him versus and, Mikey Garcia would be amazing. Be a good fight. I'd pick Mikey, but it'd be a good fight. I just haven't seen Prime Mikey in so long. Like, listen, this is the time for Mikey to go back down to 140. Yeah. You were there all those damn years and nobody was there to challenge you. Let's get it. 140 is about to get real deep. Tank, who we'll talk about right now, moving up to 140 for a fight. He probably won't stay there, but it shows that he's willing to come up and down to 140. You're looking at Diofimo, who's a breath away from 140. Probably after taking this fight for big money, he could vacate his belts or keep them and try his hand at 140 as well because he took care of the mandatory, so he has time. Then you look at Devin Haney, who can easily go to 140. You still have Burchell hanging around. 140 is stacked all of a sudden. Yeah. It's a, it's a great weight class right yeah, now. Mikey needs to stop BSing and go back down. Because really, who else is Mikey going to fight? He's going to fight Virgil? Nah, man. He ain't fighting Virgil. He was waiting for that Pacquiao check, man. It, you know, Blew up in his face. Yep. Sat around two years waiting for a Pacquiao check. Did nothing. Been just coming off of a, a skunk loss where he had to pass the sticks. No, he, he beat Jesse Vargas in his last fight. Oh, he beat you. I don't even remember that. Okay. I yeah. thought Spence was still his last fight. So, yeah, we'll see. It's time for him to come back down. And then, of course, like I mentioned, we have Tank um, fighting this weekend. Oh, hold on. Sorry. Before I get Tank, I skipped over Charlo. 
it's easy to forget about Charlo because, oh, well, it was like, whatever, Charlo fought. It was easy for him the first nine rounds. He kind of got touched and rocked in the ninth, tenth, and then he just survived and coasted the rest of the time. It did nothing to me to heighten his profile. And now, with most of the belts being caught up on the, the zone side, I don't see why there's any reason for anyone to fight him from over there across the street. Nah, man. I mean, look, it was a good win. Um, yes, he had some trouble. Lady. It was a tough opponent, but Charles said some interesting things after the fight. He said he'd fight Canelo if Canelo will come down to 160. That's never going to happen. Why would you bring that up, right? Canelo's never coming back down to 60. He's at 68 trying to unify, be undisputed. That's not going to happen. You need to become undisputed. That should be your goal. And that means, yes, call out Triple G, because I don't know what the fuck Triple G is doing. Yes, like you look at you look at 160 and say, all right, cool, I can clean this division out. But you got to fight Andre as well. It just has to happen. Like Chris Maddox was calling for the damn Andre Charlo fight for it feels like two years now, maybe even three. It just has to happen. Charlo's in an interesting spot. People, you know, the the, the this illusion out there goes, ah, Canelo's ducking Charlo. That's not happening. But Charlo needs a big name or he needs a, an impressive performance or he needs to move up. Like, there's really not a lot for him at 60 unless he fights Andre or Triple G, who are at the zone. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's kind of complicated for him right now. And I mean, Demetrius is right that Demetrius wants to fight with Triple G, according to reports I no longer believe. But Demetrius wants to fight with everyone. Like, that's a good fight to go across and be like, yo, Eddie, let Demetrius come over here for this fight. And then Triple G, if he wants to unify in December, let him unify. And then next summer, we try to work together again, put something together to get an undisputed champion here. Yes. And, and here's the easy part in my mind about this. Demetrius Andre is not a big name. He needs to fight somebody to raise his profile. Otherwise, he'll never get the Triple G fight. They'll so, go for that reason. Yeah, it's like send him across the street because if he wins, he comes back better, right? And you can do a 50-50 split because it's going to be the biggest fight of Andre's career. Yep. Just send him. Bye. See you later. Come back. You know what I'm saying? It's like go to, the, go to the corner store, bring me back some cigarettes. You don't come back with cigarettes, that's your ass, right? That's exactly what it is. That belt is some cigarettes. Go to the corner store, get my cigarettes, come back. If you don't bring my cigarettes back, don't come back. <laughs> you're worth nothing after that. If you don't bring the cigarettes, you're worth nothing to me. Yeah, that's, that's true though. Like it's it's one of those things. It's an all or nothing proposition. But he's damn near giving you nothing anyway. Exactly. So why not? Like go over there. Let's see. For some reason, if Charlo's not as great as they may think. Yeah, he's come back with all the belts, and you're going to have an undisputed champion in the house. Perfect. There you go. And now there's a reason for even Triple G or someone like that to fight him. And then you could kind of, once you become undisputed, given if Canelo's on that wave of becoming undisputed, whoever your undisputed champion is, that should be enough to talk Canelo into a fight. Yeah, definitely. So Canelo's undisputed next summer or whatever it may be, next September, if he's defended his belts and kept all the belts and then the undisputed champions automatic number one contender, if he moves up in weight. So if triple G becomes undisputed in may of next year and he beats 
you know, Demetrius or Charlo, but has all the belts. Oh, there you go. There's your trip. There's your trilogy against Triple G. That's enough to get Canelo to actually want to fight the guy. It's going to take a lot for him to want to fight Triple G. That's probably what it takes. Definitely. So, yeah, I think that's just logical. But boxing is not always logical. So we'll see how that turns out. This weekend's fights, Gervonta Tank Davis versus Barrios. Tank moving up from 130 to 140 for this fight. Barrios ranked number nine by most organizations at um, junior welterweight. He has one of the belts. I don't know. Something regular belt. Out of, this shit don't count. But WBA. WBA regular belt. All right. Um, whatever. I damn near got a regular title. So they're fighting for that. I. This is a tough one because to me, I haven't really seen Tank show the ability to outpoint someone in a, a 12-round fight. He's only done it once. Even that was kind of mismatched. He just didn't get the guy out of there. Oh, I, he says the power of travel. Barrios has size and reach. And people keep pointing out at like, oh, Canelo just did this against, I don't know, I think Callum Smith or something. But like he just showed that height doesn't mean anything and reach doesn't mean anything. Like, yeah, but Tank's not Canelo. No, so not at all. It could mean something. Uh, I'm going to take Tank by like 10th round TKO, but... Man, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's down on the card when he lands that punch. So there is a there's some smoke and mirrors with this fight. I love the fight, but there are smoke and mirrors. Mario Barrios is the perfect opponent for Tank Davis for this reason. When you stand them next to each other, you immediately go, oh shit, Mario Barrios is huge. He's almost six feet tall. He's got like almost a six inch height advantage, five inch reach advantage. How's Tank going to get around that, right? Tank's the more popular fighter. So popular, in fact, that most people are going to watch this fight and have no fucking idea who Mario Barrios is. All they're going to see is this <laughs> tall dude, and they're going to be like, wow, Tank's fighting somebody tall. However, Mario Barrios does not fight like he's tall. He fights like Diego Corrales in close quarters, which negates both his height and his reach advantage. And it works in Tank's favor because he's an inside fighter. If Barrios used the jab, which he doesn't, and put Tank on the end of his jab, then this thing gets complicated. But I like Barrios' ability to fight on the inside. Even though he's taller, he shouldn't do it, but it's worked thus far. That being said, this is a tailor-made fight for Tank to look good against a bigger opponent for him to say, and that Leonard Eller be in the rest of the group and say, look what he did. He fought a big guy who was undefeated and took him out. That's what they're aiming for. Should happen. I'm picking Tank by a late knockout. But I'm, I need to see. What, what, what do I need to see, Kel? You know what I'm about to say. You need to see him take a punch. Yes, I need to see what happens when Tank is punched in the mouth by a 140-pounder that has pretty good power and is a volume puncher. Because it's not like Barros will hit him and then back off. Boss will swarm him, kind of like what Poirier did to McGregor, volume. And if he overwhelms Tank with volume because Tank's not a great defensive fighter, shit could get real interesting. 
But I think Tank still has that that power. And when Barrios like bends over to throw like those body shots, it's kind of wide open for a counter uppercut or something of that nature. And that's where I think Tank will stop him. But who knows, man? It's still dangerous. I just know why they took this fight. It's optics. And that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, it's very similar to some of the fights Mayweather took. It's just in between. It's like when you jump up, it's how do you look in these fights? How did your opponent make you look? Does it look like you know your power translates because this guy is so much bigger do they know something about him that you don't know like it's all about timing why you take these fights so i get it he can say he's held a belt at three different weight classes it it pads his resume ongoing fights now one thing they won't do is commit to him fighting anybody else yet no that's and at this point, you're at 140. I'm not sure he stays there. But anyway, you could at least, since you're the regular champion, push to be instated as a mandatory for Josh Taylor. I thought that was the whole reason behind this fight is so that Tank could be a mandatory for one of the actual belts or damn near become undisputed if the fight happens quick enough. So, yeah, um... Yeah, the venture of 140 kind of reminds me with Canelo jumping up and then grabbing the title when he fought Rocky Fielding. It was like, all right, I don't know if I'm going to stick around here yet. And then when he figured out, all right, this is my weight class, then he does it. Tank is probably doing the same thing. Like, he's going to, it's the WBA regular title. It's the exact title. Well, the, yeah, because that's yeah, what exactly Canelo, Canelo won. won. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but fighting Josh Taylor, just a whole new ball game, right? Because Josh Taylor is a really fucking good fighter. <laughs> like, and he, he's a natural 140, could fight at 147, will eventually fight at 147, has fought some of the best in the division already, has really good defense, and has got a jab. And it's like, when you have those tools, you become tough to beat. So yep. I'm not necessarily sure that Tank will ever fight somebody like Josh Taylor. And, that, and Leonard Ellerby was like... <laughs> He did an interview and said, well, what does Josh Taylor bring to the table? You know, he fought Ramirez and, you know, was there a thousand people in the building? Yes, Leonard, because there were travel restrictions and there was a capacity limitation. That's why there were a thousand people. You know, what does he bring to the table? I'll tell you, Leonard, undisputed champion. That's what he brings to the table. The fact is, Javante Davis is a big enough name to where he can almost fight anybody, right? And people are going to show up. If you can fight Mario Barrios and be okay with that, the, re- the reason that you don't fight Josh Taylor has nothing to do with what he brings to the table. It's more so because you ain't ready for that shit yet. And it's okay. You need to see what you look at at, one, like at 140. If he obliterates Mario Barrios, then I'm sure they'll be like, hmm, maybe we should do this. Yeah, but it's a feeler. I, it makes sense. Like It's hard to go against the king at 140 when it's your first time going up to 140, you know? Like yeah, that, you don't that do that. That becomes a little weird. You're like, you never tested that weight. You don't know how you can take a punch. You don't know how much your punch is going to affect that person. That's that's tough to just dive right into the water. That's Pacquiao type shit. Yeah, or Pacquiao jumps up two weight classes against like one of the best and be like, fuck it. I'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, even Pacquiao fought like David Diaz and annihilated him, right? So there's there's stages to this, and it's okay. I just didn't like Ellaby saying that Josh Taylor brings nothing to the table, and I was like, he's the undisputed champ. What more do you need? And he brings a country. It's not like he's an American undisputed champ. Yeah. He, he brings an overseas UK market. Something yeah. Tank, what, Tank fought overseas once? 
two I, years ago? I, I, I just, I didn't understand. Look, man, I would be the worst promoter in boxing. <laughs> because I would be so down on my own fighters that my fighters would be confused. Because, you know, journalists ask dumb questions. Like, how was training camp? And I jump in and I'd be like, yo, training camp was fucking awful. This fat motherfucker over here just ate like pizza and chili cheese fries. And I just back off. Because <laughs> everybody says, training this is the best training camp of my life. I'm in the best shape of his life. Like, I would cut my fighter off. He's like, I'm in the best. Hey, hey, you're not in the best shape of your life. I seen you. You were eating pizza and you haven't ran in two weeks. Shut the fuck up. Because it would confuse everybody, right? Nobody would know what they're getting. You know, did you win that? Did, did my fighter win that fight? Hell no, you win that fight, but we'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it by hook or by crook. We out of here. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is a controversial de- decision. You're right. I picked the other guy to win, but he's my fighter. I win. I won. Yeah, you going to fight Josh Taylor? No, we're not going to fight Josh Taylor. Why not? Because he's the undisputed champion, and this little bastard over here that I'm having is too goddamn small. As long as he's about to fight his first fight at 140, and he'll probably lose. So we're going to hold off on that fight until he fights this guy, and we're going to cash out a few checks, then we'll consider it. But until then, Javante, shut up. You're not fighting him. You know why you're not fighting him. That's the type of promoter I would be. I'd be the worst, best promoter in boxing. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It just sounds like you're doing a lot of worst. Like, it, you fully expect to represent no good fighters without logic. Like, you're, you're representing B-level fighters and down. No, I would represent A-level fighters, but I'd do the same thing. Just so everybody would be confused. Just sandbagging. Like, yeah. That is, sandbagging. Everybody is like, hey, man, uh, you got this fighter. Yeah, I got him. How good is he? I don't fucking know. Do you know? I don't know. He looks really good in the gym. I don't know what he looks like in a boxing ring. Is he a future world champion? Maybe. I doubt it if he doesn't stop bullshitting. Like, that's the type of promoter I would be. And everybody would be confused. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm with it. I would love to see that. It's kind of like Bob Arum's, I guess, his shtick right now. Bob is like, fuck it. I'm going to just tell the truth. Even though he's not yeah, sandbagging half the time. But he's like, yo, listen, now they don't earn nothing in pay-per-view. I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, like, hey. Like, damn. Is Terrence Crawford the best in the world? I don't know. He won't fight anybody. That's what I be like. I don't know. He doesn't draw enough pay-per-views. This dude wants 60-40. Does he deserve it? Absolutely not. He's my fighter. I know what he can do. He's blowing it. You're blowing it, kid. Fix it. That's, I just, I couldn't help it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Now you'd be the worst. You're the opposite of Eddie Hearn, who thinks yeah. everyone is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I just don't understand. Promoters, I know your job is to promote, but at a certain point, us as journalists and then the fans, we all th- see through your bullshit. Everybody's not a future world champion. Everybody's not the best in the world. It is okay to say this guy's really not that good, but he, he comes to fight, and he'll probably lose. And if he wins, shit, cash out. Like, I hate those questions. Uh, you're an underdog. What do you think? And they always go, he's a live dog. Like they even said that with Conor McGregor and Logan Paul. You know what I say? This motherfucker ain't got a chance in the world. If I were you, these, these, uh, this line would be a lot wider. You want to know why? So I could bet on the other guy. But right now, I'm going to bet on the other fighter. If my fighter wins, I get his check. If the other fighter wins, I bet so much money that I feel like I got a check. One way or another, I'm going to win this shit. You're hedging your fights. Yes. <laughs> I know what I got. I seen you. I would do that with all my fighters. I seen you fight. I know what you got. Oh, you got the betting mobile app. You're in camp. Like, nah, nah, I got to put another 500 on this. Hold yeah. No, no, no. He ain't winning this one. Even if he has the best camp in the entire world, I'll never tell anybody. Who's he spar? Who cares? 
Can I come to the gym? No, you can't come to the gym. Just come to the fight. Maybe you'll win, maybe you won't. I don't know. Buy it if you want to. That's <laughs> Oh yeah, you'd be the worst. The worst ever. But damn, that'd be entertaining. Uh, the other fight for this weekend, outside of Tank, we're both picking Tank, obviously, like in that fight. Yes. Um, Vasily Lomachenko versus Nakatani. Nakatani is a live dog. <laughs> yes, he, <laughs> yes, he is. Your terminology just now. <laughs> He's a live dog. He gave Tiafimo fits. It looked like he was going to be out of here against Felix Verdejo and came back, knocked Verdejo's block off and won that fight. Probably come back in the year last year. Amazing fight there. It was just, he's so much bigger, longer, taller than Loma. Loma had a little bit of problem solving the puzzle that is Teofimo Lopez because he was stronger and bigger. Can Nakatani prove those same problems? Loma just had surgery on his shoulder, coming right off of that shoulder injury into this fight. So much going there. All that being said, I'm still taking Loma to win, but I'm taking him to win by decision, and it's not going to be easy either. No, nah, man, I'm picking Loma to win as well. Uh, Loma's footwork is a little bit too good. Um, and he's a pure boxer. And as good as Nakatani looked against Tiafimo, he was losing to Verdejo, right? And he found he fought his way back into the fight. Loma's not really a guy like Verdejo who take his foot off the gas or have like a brain fart. If Loma's locked in, you're probably not going to beat him. And you're going to need to be younger, faster, stronger. And I don't think Nakatani is those things. But his height and his reach prevent, present a lot of problems. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Loma, if he fights, if he gets that... I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm concerned that Loma looked at the last fight with T.O. And I wonder if he went, man, I started too fucking late and he gets off to a fast start because he can't do that anymore. Everybody knows the playbook. It's like you get on Loma quick. You can put him down a few rounds. Yep. He's not a big, powerful guy. He's not, he may not necessarily knock you out, but if you put him down a few rounds, you know, he stays locked into his little game plan, but he can't do that anymore. He can't give up rounds to Nakatani. He has to go out there and fight. Yeah, Nakatani has to come out gangbusters, hot from the start. You yeah. test that theory immediately. Yeah, you have to see, is Loma going to start slow again? I'll take advantage of it. You need to get as many rounds as you can in early against Loma because once he slips into a groove, because remember, against T.O., he came on strong late, but it was too late. He could have won that fight if he started a little bit earlier, but he didn't. Yeah, but then the 12th showed a... a it's a fight of adjustments, and then the adjustments were made by Diofimo in the 12th. I think it went longer than that, then Dio would have kept just matching him in volume. No, I agree. Dio looked great in the 12th round. He, he, he dug deep. And what I always say about fighters, like, what do you do? You have to make adjustments. And Dio recognized that Loma's coming on strong, made a few adjustments, closed out the fight. I don't know if Nakatani's that type of fighter. But if you get off to a quick start, at least you'll have some rounds in the bank before Loma starts slipping into a groove. Because as soon as that happens, your ass is in trouble. <laughs> yeah, once he gets comfortable and he gets loose, it's a whole different Loma. Man, he's dancing on your ass, man. Look what he did to, to shit, the axe murderer. Look what he did to Rigandale. Like, once he gets into a groove, it's like he's dancing. You can't get him out that groove. No, nah, he can't hit him. It's just frustrating. He's popping you in the face every two seconds. You're just like, yo, this is not fun. He makes boxing not fun. 
agents no, are gonna get the hell out of here. Yeah, it's like, abusive, I man. I didn't sign up for this. Like, nope. and then you quit. Um, that's again the key to the fast start. It's like, yo, he's gonna come on strong late. So I just gotta do what the hell I gotta do now. Exactly. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting. A lot of good fights there. We're going to take our last break, come back, and then we're going to close this out by talking UFC, giving our predictions for the upcoming fights, touching on a couple of fights from last weekend. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We'll get right back to the show in a second. But first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back. It's the home stretch. We're talking UFC to close out the show. Man, let's start at last week's UFC Apex card, kicking off the main card. Matt Brown, the mortal indeed, coming out, stopping Diego Lima. Great knockout. Proved me wrong. I was like, yo, he's just going to go coach after this. Like, it's a wrap for him. Nope. Came out, starched him. He lives to fight again. And I kind of like this. I, I like him going up against other veterans, other people who may be at the end of their leash fighting to stay in there, bring on Cowboy Cerrone again. Like, give me give me all these matchups where he can hang on by by a tooth in the welterweight division. But this one, this one he earned. He looked great. Great night. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he fought Diego Lima, and Matt Brown's 40 years old, and it feels like he's at 12 billion fights. I might not be wrong about that. He's had a lot of fights. And he short-circuited Lima with this, like, short right hand that made him face plant. I didn't even see it live. I was, it was my wife's birthday, so I definitely wasn't watching any fights. But I, I came back and I was like, what? Matt Brown just killed somebody at 40? He looked good. So he's always a guy who can open bleed. And that's what Matt Brown's going to do. Somebody's going to get punched in the face. So good win for him. You're right. He's going to be involved in probably a lot of winner-go-home fights. Either you, which veteran it's like deathmatch the battle royal or some shit like you win you stay you lose it's over that's how it should go yeah every, every time now he's just fighting for his deal and yeah. i'm perfectly happy with that good for him yep so we'll see how how that goes plays out in the future um we have marlon vera in the co-main Picking up a big win against David Grant. Vera needed the win. Um, another guy who can... There's always, like, these weird UFC trajectories where you look and be like, yo, this guy can just get hot and take off if need be. Um, he's one of those guys. Like, Marlon yeah. Vera, he can go on a run, pop back up in the top 10. That wouldn't surprise me. And then, hold on, we had Olenek in the next fight. Yeah, that was not fun. It wasn't. Watch. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest watch. And Olenek lost. 
he was another guy who was at the top of the division not too long ago. And well, anyway, you know. vying for a title shot, looking pretty good, and fell off the edge of a cliff. I mean, you know, when you're a thousand years old and, you know. Yeah, you're talking about a lot of fights. He's had fights 77. Yeah, I mean, I think he's fought in three different decades. Motherfucker's old. Um, but again, there's nothing worse than like a three-round heavyweight fight. And this was one of those. Yeah. So they start heaving. <gasps> and your wife's like, God damn, man, it's 90 seconds in the fight. Get yourself together. And then for the rest of the fight, they're just laying on each other and shit. So it wasn't a great coming event. But I get it. Heavyweight fights, you know, it's either it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. It's either you get the home run and the big knockout, or it's just a breathing fest and like two big, not even big meaty men bumping meat. They're just guys who are yeah. Most of them, big meaty men breathing air. That's what it was. Yeah, it, they don't they don't look good doing it, right? If you look at some of these heavyweights and you're like, damn, it's like, let's be honest, most heavyweights don't look like Francis and Ghana. They more or less look like Daniel Cormier. Yeah. So it's not even aesthetically pleasing. Like when you look at it, it's not like pro wrestling. It's uh yeah, it's wild. It's wild. Yeah, you look at it and it's just like Man, I, I kind of miss the days of big country. Like, at least you knew what was coming. Yeah, big country is one hit or quitter. And if you didn't get that, well, shit, yep. you don't lose a fight. That's what's going to happen. Big country, Mark Hunt. <laughs> it's shitty to say, but the heavyweight division is getting too technical. People are too well-rounded to try to play test, chess matches. That's not what heavyweight UFC fights are. Nah, you throw, man, you throw that one big hand, somebody going to land. That's why I yeah. like Ngannou. That's why I like the Black Beast. So, um, yeah, that fight wasn't great. Zombie in the main event picks up decision win versus Dan Idge. I mean, listen, good fight. Zombie needed it. Zombie's just really good, man. Really good. If you beat the zombie, you earned it. He got caught by the the back elbow. That was kind of crazy in a fight that he was dominating. Um, what was that, 2018? Yaya Rodriguez hit him with that knockout of the year, but I mean, he was 10 seconds away from winning that fight and going on one hell of a street lock to Ortega, which turned out to be a title eliminator because Ortega now is going for the belt. So yep. zombie's not too far away. No, man. And I picked him to be a gay. And the reason why is because he's the perfect mix of striking, striking and grappling. And when you fight guys like Ige who are primarily strikers, you know, zombie can just decide, I'm just going to take you down. And he's a much better grappler. So I'm not surprised by this result whatsoever. Um, he's always a good fight. Obviously, he walks up the Cranberry Zombie, which is awesome. And uh, I'm curious to see who he fights next because he's neither of these guys, win or lose, like looking at the rankings, they didn't move because the people ahead of him and the people below him were. Uh, either had wins over him or lost. So I'm curious where Zombie goes from here. I, I'm sure he'd like to fight Ortega again if Ortega loses to Volkanovski, but I don't know if that's where he goes from here. I, have, I honestly don't have any idea where he goes from here. Yair pulled out of his upcoming fight. Um, I believe it was supposed to be against Max. Yeah, it was. So um, Yair pulled out with an injury. If Max gets a replacement, fight someone else, which I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything. Um, but if Max ends up fighting someone else because he's ready to go, then with that, give me Yair versus Zombie again. Run it back. Because Zombie, to me, shouldn't have lost that fight. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, we can run that one back. 
Yep. So that's what I'm taking next. This upcoming card is thinner than last week's card. Um, Andre Touchy-Feely is on the main card, one of my favorite names in MMA, versus Daniel Pineda. Andre Feely should win this. Um, I think Andre Feely was in a movie. Shout out to Danny Acosta, reverse yes. right back. Wrote a movie starring Andre Feely. So I will not pick against him just for the six degrees of separation with the Rat Pack. Andre Feely, picking you to win. Tim Means is on this card versus Nicholas Dalby. Tim Means, another one of the kind of gatekeeper guys in the UFC. We'll see how that goes. Um, Tanner Bolser in the co-main heavyweight fight. Ovin St. Prue at heavyweight is the bigger deal to me. Yeah, I mean, OSP was supposed to fight uh, Maxim Grisham, and there was like some visa issues. So Tanner Bosa stepped up on short notice. Um, and he ends up in the co-main event. OSP is a guy who we've looked at. He was wildly, he's naturally gifted, but he's not technically sound. No. Right. So like everything he does is power moves, Von Flu choke, uh, his knockouts. There's no technique involved. And in the, in the heavyweight division where technique is really not anywhere to be found with a lot of these guys, He's matched up perfectly with somebody like Tanner Bolson to get a highlight real knockout, which is exactly what I'm picking. OSP by knockout. Oh, I'm going Van Flucho just because. So SP. I love when he catches people in that shit. So wow. yeah, give me give me another one. Why not? And then uh Cyril Gagne in the main event, Alexander Volkov. This is actually a banger of a fight. This, this is just 25 fight. minutes. I'm gonna be pissed. I would be surprised. Somebody going night night. Um Yo, give me Volkov to win that, though. I always really? like Volkov. Yeah, I, Cyril Gagne, I understand, undefeated. Um, I mean, he's a little older than a prospect. Went to distance with Rosenstrike. I thought that one was going to be a knockout fest, but he looked good there. He beasted through JDS, but everyone has lately. I just really, really like Alexander Volkov all the time. Hmm. Being Overeem, um, Overeem was on a little bit of a run, so I thought he looked great. There, just knocking over his block off. Beat Walt Harris, knocked his block off. Really, he was wrestled down by Curtis Blades, and that was his only real loss lately. Beat Greg Hardy's ass on short notice. Um, beat Fabricio Verdum. Derek Lewis caught him with one. Fuck it. Derek Lewis does that to everyone. That was his real... That and getting wrestled are his two losses. Two guys in the top three of the heavyweight division? That's that's not bad. I, I don't think Volkov is that gatekeeper yet. Kind of moving up in... It's not a gatekeeper fight, technically, but like Gagne is moving up in competition. This is like, okay, go prove it to us, kid. And yeah, I don't, I don't think it's there yet. Volkov is still one of the top five best heavyweights. I think he's going to show up. Uh, I agree that he's one of the top five, and that's why this fight is a banger. But Cyril Gagne is a guy who he went the distance of Rosenstruck and, you know, obviously beat JDS. Um, and most of his fights are by stoppage, with the exception of Tanner Bolser. Honestly, which is kind of crazy, who <laughs> was in the co-main event. But I think Gagne might be a little bit more gifted in the striking because he still he went toe to toe with Rosenstruck, right? But then he's also a pretty good grappler. This fight could go either way. It's heavyweights. One punch can cha change everything. But I think Gagne's got a little bit more in, in terms of impressive striking. He can out grapple him. Volkov is a sound technically sound striker don't think he can out grapple him i think gagne will mix it up just enough 
to win this fight, but I, somebody got to go to sleep. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Volkov gets stopped. I'm gonna say Volkov gets stopped in like mm, it's heavyweights. I'm gonna say two. I hope so. I don't like to go the distance, and this is an early fight card, so it can end right before I really gotta go down and pay attention to um, the boxing matches. I just wanted to end at like three. Got to be downstairs by three thirty. So give me even like a three thirty ending, two two rounds at max. I want to see how this goes, but yeah, I think Volkov still got a lot in the tank. So I'm taking him to win that fight. Should be a good one of fights. We appreciate all of you guys for listening to another episode. Make sure you guys follow us on social media at corner podcast, underscore on Twitter at corner club for life on Instagram. Check me out at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale on all platforms. Check out our other show wrestling with stereotypes on adfreeshows.com. Shout out to blue wire, the network, all of our sponsors, Biggest thing, shout out to you guys for always constantly supporting. If you guys haven't listened to our last show, make sure you check out Black Wrestling Podcast as well for their top 50 list. It was very fun. We recapped it in our last show. Shout out to all the guys over there doing their thing, always showing us love. So make sure you guys go and support them. It was fun. It was great. But until next week, we're out. Peace. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com